Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. To the elders and the flock. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when this chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Father, we do thank you for your word. We do thank you that uh, you speak to us uh, through it. And, and 1 Peter uh, is, is so helpful to help us understand uh, what it looks like to be the church and also to have uh, godly leaders who lead the church as well. And we're so thankful that, Lord, you've set this up in the way that, um, uh, the way that you have um, and, and been the model to us of what good leadership looks like as we've seen Jesus come uh, to our world and to serve us as a leader. And we pray that uh, as we hear from it, we'll also want to uh, emulate that and want to live that out uh, with uh, lives uh, that are repentant and obedient, wanting to um, follow you, follow the great leader, Jesus. So we do pray for that now. In your son's name, amen. Uh, you guys might remember that I, uh, I've been watching this documentary called How to Become a Tyrant on Netflix. Do you guys remember how I talked about that? I finally finished it. The last episode is actually about North Korea, and it's really interesting. I need to share with you what I learned in this, uh, in this documentary. North Korea was founded by Kim Song-il. We know that, right? Uh, it's been uh, succeeded by his son and then his grandson, so three generations of Kims. And what's really interesting, if you know anything about North Korea, is you know the titles they give themselves, right? So Kim Song-il, the title that he give, gave himself is what? The, does anyone know? Eternal Supreme Leader. That's his title. He's the Eternal Supreme Leader. His son then, Kim Jong-il, was given the title of Supreme Leader and so forth. And, and so Kim Jong-un today is also the, the Supreme Leader. Not President not Prime Minister, the Supreme Leader. They have essentially set themselves up as gods. It's so fascinating. Uh, and, and if you look into this, it's like their leadership. Apparently, the whole idea is to actually have this religious faith in them. Like that's the level of um, almost worship them uh, because they're the best people to lead the country, these supreme leaders. Now, to reinforce this narrative, uh, this really interesting Kim Jong-il, the second one, right, the, the son of the, the former eternal supreme leader, the son, uh, he really wanted to make his mark on uh, the nation. So what he did, because he can control all the information in the country, he rewrote his biography. This is crazy. He was born in Russia, but instead he wrote, uh, and this was published in lots of books. It was taught in schools, in songs. You know, people were learned that he was born instead at Mount Pektu, which is the sacred mountain in, in Korean history, Korean literature. Uh, it's mythological, the gods, it's a divine, divine place. He was born there instead, not in Russia, Mount Pektu. Not only that, uh, throughout his life, uh, when he was born, there was a double rainbow that appeared, a new star formed in the sky. It sounds ridiculous. Uh, and then he goes on, officially, what happened in his, after his birth, at three weeks old, he learned how to 
walk already. At eight weeks old, he learned how to speak already. He was a genius baby, apparently. He also had powers to control the weather. And he was so smart, he authored over 1,500 books. Not only that, his body was so perfect that he didn't need to go to the toilet, so he didn't have a toilet. He didn't produce human waste. He didn't, he's never pooped before. That was literally on the North Korean website. This was his biography. I can't make this stuff up. It's crazy. It, 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 it's so important, though. The narrative that he was spinning uh, as the leader of this nation was that he had these superhuman divine powers. The Kims, right, in North Korea, they can do and say whatever they want, spin whatever narrative, uh, and, do, uh, and the people have to follow their leadership. People don't agree with their agenda, they'll get thrown into prison or executed. That's the type of country that they're leading. That's the type of leadership that they have. Now, does that make you feel a little bit sick? That there are leaders out there that are so narcissistic and abusive and controlling, and they lead nations. No one likes arrogant, proud people, let alone in leadership. Uh, it should make us feel uh, a fury in our belly, right? This is 2021. And this type of leadership still exists in our world? It should make us all feel a little uncomfortable. And perhaps it's because we're in Australia, we've become, we've become so anti-authoritarian. We don't like the idea of leaders telling us what to do, do we? Uh, we've seen leaders fail us, be involved in scandals, act self-righteous. They're leaders uh, that, are, that are abusive, that display narcissistic traits. They take advantage of the weak. They use their powers to trample on others. They think they're above the law. It's just not right. It makes us feel uncomfortable. Yet at the same time, we all have to agree that if we didn't have government and leaders, where would that lead us? Without structure? Without law even? There'd be chaos and destruction. If we didn't have the leaders making the hard decisions, how would we function? If we didn't have the CEOs in our companies, the managers, the leaders, wouldn't we all agree we actually need leadership? We need examples and people who will govern. And unlike North Korea, we need good leaders. People uh, who will lead us to, to human flourishing and peace. Isn't that what we should all expect of our world leaders? Shouldn't we expect that of our leaders in our workplaces and our homes as well? You see, while North Korean presidents will make it all about them at the expense of their people who are starving and living in poor conditions, we want leaders that will bring life and joy and peace and flourishing to our communities. So today, as we think about ordaining our elders, what should we expect of our leaders in the church? How does that impact also how we see ourselves as members of the church, members of the local church? I want to briefly take us through this passage in 1 Peter uh, from the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter uh, to the church, and he uh, addresses in chapter 5 how the elders are meant to be. Let's read a bit of it again. So uh, have your Bibles open and follow along with me. Chapter 5, verse 1 says this, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing just dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. The first thing we need to glean from this is an elder is a shepherd, right? Now, people know me as the pastor of the church, right? But the word pastor actually comes from a Latin term that actually is used for shepherd, so I, I am the shepherd of providence. Uh, and, and this term shepherd is, is interchangeable with the word elder as well. So I'm also an elder of this church providence. Peter's saying, be a shepherd of God's flock. Right? So the church is the, the flock, right? Sh the sheep. And as a pastor, my role is the shepherd. To shepherd the sheep, the flock, 
uh, to Jesus, to know Jesus. Now, if you call this church your home, if you call this church your church family, you're effectively saying, I want to be part of this flock where the pastor is my shepherd. Last week, we saw members uh, come before the church making vows. They said they want to be part of this church. They want to have a say, but they're willing also to submit themselves under the shepherding of the leadership here. And and when you think about shepherds, what do we think about? What's the first image that comes to your mind when you think of a shepherd? Uh, A boy in sandals holding a staff, looking all meek and mild. Is that what you think of when you think of me? I hope not. Uh, Or you think of that nursery rhyme, Little Bo Peep, right? Little Bo Peep who lost her sheep and doesn't know where to find them. Uh, a little, uh, I just think of a little blonde girl in a blue dress with curly locks, right? Because that's the image that we grew up with, little Bo Peep. But bring yourself back to the Middle East where shepherds had to protect, where they had to guard, take care of their flock. They had to fight off bears and lions and wolves. That was their job. They would tend to their flock and go in search of sheep that would go astray. Yes, they, they probably wore sandals because it was probably fashionable back then. But think about their job. They would lead their sheep to greener pastures. They would feed them, tend to them, care for them. They weren't meek and mild, but they were strong. They were courageous, ready to take on danger from the wild, from robbers and thieves. It was a dangerous job. And so it's no surprise that Peter uses this term. Uh, And and it's no surprise he uses this term because that's how Jesus also uses the term of leaders in the church. He actually says this to Peter himself. When Jesus was still around, when he died and he was raised again, he uh, had a meal with his disciples. So this is at the end of uh, John's gospel. In John 21, it's got on the screen, I think. I think it might come up. Verse 15 uh, of John 21, it says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see, Jesus sees us, all of us here, God's people as sheep. Not in a bad way, like, you know, how you say, oh, you're such a sheep, you could just conform with everyone else. No, it's, it's, it's the idea that we are all needing direction in life. We are a sheep without a shepherd. We need to find the way home. Uh, if you go into the Gospels, there's, there's references to this idea where uh, in Matthew 9.36, I should have, we don't have these, no, we don't have any of these. Matthew 9.36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's what Jesus says. You see, Jesus and Peter know that it won't be easy being God's people, living out our Christian faith in a secular world. It wasn't easy in the first century. It's not going to be easy in the 21st century. If you read all 1 Peter, that letter that Peter writes, it's all about how hard it's going to be living as Christians in this world. So we need good leaders on the front line. And see, see what's required of these elders, these shepherds. Firstly, they're willing Shepherds that will be willing, that's what what we read. Such a simple request, leaders that are willing to lead, uh, that aren't unwilling. Imagine leaders that are are reluctantly in their role, doing the bare minimum because they don't really care. Leaders that that, that do things half-heartedly, but they take the role because, well, no one else is doing it. They take the role because it, well, it might look good on my resume at work. (laughs) It, It gives me a title. It gives me a bit of power. No, it says we want elders that are willing. 
Willing means while you have many options with how you spend your time, you might be you know, working overtime, playing video games on the time off, playing sport, whatever it might be, uh, you're willing to choose to make time for your church. Leaders that will make time to serve the church. Sacrifice time in joy to love others that you wouldn't otherwise make time for in your week. You'll bring others around you to grow in faith, to read the Bible with, even do simple everyday life, a hospitality, come over for a meal, let's watch MasterChef together, whatever it might be. Doing life in love and hospitality around Jesus. Isn't that what being part of the church looks like? The shepherd leader is willing to love and lead others through life and in Christ. It's the first thing, be willing, but not only that. Secondly, be eager to serve and not for dishonest gain, not do it for dishonest gain. The idea here is one of, of enthusiasm rather than greed that marks, marks their hearts. It, it says something about the, the culture as well. When you think about uh, the early church, uh, we think the church was just run by volunteers, but there's an implication here that, that some people were paid to work in the church, just like uh, I'm a paid staff of this church. Uh, if you work full-time, this is your capacity, then, then, then we should pay our pastors, right, in churches. They do it because they want to serve, they're eager to serve God's people. That's how they're willing and eager to serve. Now, we've seen greed take over pastors, haven't we? We've heard the stories in the media. It's, it's really sad. Uh, it's totally sad because it makes Christianity look bad. Uh, when pastors or elders, they embezzle funds for personal gain. Wow. Uh, one that made the news that I re- remember so clearly because I was just shaking my head. Um, overseas was a pastor who used church funds to help his wife start a singing career. Do you guys know about that one? Oh my goodness. What? He got jailed for it, though? Um, like, good? But it's like, wh- I can't make that stuff up. Why would you use it? Anyway, God wants shepherds that aren't doing it for dishonest gain, but an eagerness to serve God's people. The third thing, examples to the flock. Verse 3 says, Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. This idea of not lording it over others is mentioned by Jesus in in the Gospels as well. Uh, Again, it's in Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 43, if you're taking notes. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, a leader, must be your servant. You see, being an example to the flock looks like leading as servants. Not taking advantage of others. You know, it it, it saddens me, but in my line of work, I hear so many stories of elders and pastors in churches who, who get disqualified and who should be disqualified because of bullying and narcissistic leadership. There's so much coming out in, in, in podcasts and books and, and, and blog articles that I've been reading lately. It's really sad. They lead churches of thousands of people, and because of fear, no one speaks up. They have power and control, and they steamroll over others to keep it. I don't ever, it, that terrifies me. I don't ever want to be that type of shepherd that bullies others. But it gets to your head when you become a leader of thousands. And isn't that so common? To get that image of, 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 I got the image of my head, you know, where, where um, some people look at these great leaders, they're eloquent and, and they're charismatic. And we think that's what a good leader looks like. The charismatic, eloquent leader that packs out stadiums. Well, what does the Bible say? A, a, a shepherd leader needs to be charismatic? It needs to, it needs to have eloquence? 
being an example to the flock means a shepherd who, who, who has character, godly character and integrity, who desires to live for Jesus, who's honest about their sins, seeking a life of repentance and obedience. If you're a leader in the church, Jesus isn't going to ask how many people we shepherded. He's going to ask how we shepherded the people. It's a type of leadership from the front and the side, not from the back cracking a whip. You know, I, you know it's, we're not some cowboy, you know, that, that herds sheep with cattle dogs and, you know, from the back and cracking a whip. Shepherds are the ones who lead from the front, who are willing to go into war, put their bodies on the line, willing to uh, help work through conflicts in the church, willing to sacrifice their time, even sacrifice their lives, their money, energy, in practicing godliness, because they too want to model, be an example. They want you too to follow their lead in loving Jesus and loving one another. And you see, we want to see shepherds that serve the sheep, who will seek after those who go astray. Honestly, you should expect our elders or your pastor to call you up and text you if you haven't been around for, for a while, for a month or so, to ask what's going on, because we care for you, because they want to serve you and love you. Don't you want a shepherd that follows you up? Or would you rather just be forgotten? Now, I'll be honest here. I feel a little uneasy reaching out to you sometimes if you haven't been around at church. Perhaps I get this impression that you don't want to be followed up. That's why you're not coming to church. You're choosing not to want to be shepherded and cared for, so you've chosen not to come to church. You don't want to be part of this community. And that's cool if that's your decision, whatever. But even at the risk of looking like a, a naggy mum, I do hope or dad, a naggy mum or dad, I do hope and I will try to message and ask how you're going. I'd rather you know that I love you and I want to follow you up than know or feel like you're forgotten. Does that make sense? I struggle to do that sometimes as a pastor. I don't do it perfectly. And I'm so glad we have elders that are stepping up to help me with this role. But that's what we should expect of our pastors, to love, to care, to serve. And in our care, we'll have to speak truth at times. We might have to call out sin. Sin that you might not be aware of, that might be hurting God and hurting others around you. That's really hard to do sometimes. It's hard for any Christian to do, and every Christian is called to do it, to love one another and speak truth, even if it's hard truth. Doing church discipline as a leader, it's hard. But when people are upset, when people are getting hurt, when people are being bullied, when people are in sin, we need to speak into those moments as leaders. And I know I've stuffed up sometimes. Like in the past, I've stuffed up. But try I must out of my love for my church, out of my love for you in Christ, because I want you to know Jesus. I want you to love and live for Jesus. That's the best gift I can give to you my own faithfulness, and my love for you. We need good shepherds to do that. And so our elders, me included, the eagerness to serve, to be examples, comes from a place of love because we believe Christ is worth it. All this stuff, being willing, eager to serve, being an example to the flock, is all because we want to follow the chief shepherd. To point you back to the chief shepherd, Jesus, 1 Peter 5, 4 says this, when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now, these guys who are becoming elders today, even the other lay leaders in this church who are uh, missional community leaders or leading music or whatever role you're in, I say this to them all the time. We're under-shepherds of the great shepherd Jesus. We're both under-shepherds and we're sheep. See, I got ordained as, an el- as, a, as a minister of the church back in 2017. 
here at Providence. I started the church in 2015, got ordained in 2017. Uh, I, basically just means I, I got the title of reverend, right? I got upgraded. Now, the pastor, right, who came to that event, he gave a, he gave a talk, though, the sermon that day, and he said, Mikey, you need to remember you're a sheep too. And we all need Jesus to lead us before we lead others. That was so helpful. I, I still remember. He gave me this little figurine of a sheep. I don't know what to do with it. It's just on my shelf and it's gathering dust. But he gave that to me to remind me we're all sheep as well under the chief shepherd Jesus. You know, it, it's really important that we realize that, that the senior pastor of the church, yeah, in, in, in theory, it's me. On paper, it's me. I'm the senior pastor of Providence. But the senior pastor is actually Jesus. He's my senior pastor. He's the one on the throne, not me. It's his church, not mine. I'm just an under-shepherd. I'm just a custodian. Is that the word I want, custodian? Uh, just an under-shepherd to care for and lead the church until the chief shepherd, Jesus, returns. <clears throat> now, here's the thing, right? It, it does get dangerous when you get a title. <laughs> you get a title and all, you, all of a sudden you think you're a top dog. It happens in workplaces, in people's careers. You've probably seen it in your workplace, in your company. When someone gets promoted, they think they're, they're better than others. You start, they start wearing this suit, this power suit. They go to work with their you know, good posture all of a sudden. They think they're all that. You get your own office. You're not hot-desking with all the plebs. And people start listening to you, right? And that authority gets to your head, right? It's like, um, it's like more cop, if you know what I mean by more cop. You know, the person who's, who isn't really a cop, but a security guard who has a badge and a, and a baton all of a sudden. They think they're the law and everyone has to listen to them, but they're just a really glorified, they're just a security guard called more cop. But, you know, we know that. That pride gets to people's heads. The letters that come after your name, the, the, the uh, MBA, LLM, JD, PhD, whatever those letters are, we, we've done the academics and all of a sudden, oh, I'm better than everyone else. We're top stuff. Well, Heidi shares this story with me all the time about when she was in, uh, working in a dentist in Sydney, as, uh, when she was in uni. And someone walks in, uh, uh, one of the patients walks in, and she addresses him as Mr. Mr. Smith, or whatever his name was, Mr. Smith. And he replied, no, no. In fact, it's not Mr. Smith, it's Father Smith. Thank you very much. In a very arrogant way. Father Smith. And she was stumped. She was like, what? What? <laughs> Who does this guy think he is? So I get that there are elders in churches that get this title. I pastor Mikey, Reverend Mikey. Elders that get the title. All of a sudden, they think they're above others. They get their badge. They got their big boy pants on. All of a sudden, they're above sin. They're above the law. They don't need to share their life. They don't need to tell others how they're going. They only tell others how they should live as Christians. That's trash. Yeah, we have the role of shepherd, but we're just under-shepherds. We're just sheep as well to the chief shepherd Jesus. He's my senior pastor as much as he is yours. Our elders are going to be under-shepherds to Jesus who will practice humble servanthood like Jesus did. Gentle leadership. He, Jesus himself, washed his disciples' feet. He wasn't above them. He walked alongside them. Yeah, he was God, but he walked along. He modeled godliness to them. He came as a servant leader who sacrificed his life for the sheep on a cross. He gave up his life so his sheep could live. He set a high bar, yes, but he calls us to also have that humble leadership. That's the type of leadership we follow. But you know what? In this passage, Peter also addresses the flock as well, the sheep. We can't shepherd without a flock who is willing to follow. Peter encourages them, the church, to, to, to follow the leadership. Verse 5, it says this, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Those who are under the care of elders are called to submit to them. 
Now, what I mean by that, I think it, I define that as follow their leadership, trust them, respect them. So their role is one of joy and not burdens. You know, again, in Aussie culture, no one likes the idea of submitting to authorities, but what if it's for your benefit? What if it actually helps you when, when, we, when we trust our leaders? What if it's so that the leaders can lead with a joy, not, so, not a grumpy, reluctant half-heartedness? Not one that's running on fumes because they've been traumatized by unsubmissive, disrespectful, rude people in the church. That, has, that happens. I've seen it happen way too many times. Leaders in the church who have struggled to continue leading, these are volunteer leaders, who have struggled to continue leading because of people who have made their life a living hell. Right? Not even volunteer leaders. I've heard this from pastors as well. And they ask themselves, why do I bother giving my time, my energy, all my love to these people? And this is the response I get. It's hard to love when you keep getting smacked down. You know, the elders that are being ordained today, they're volunteers. They're not paid to take on this responsibility. They do it out of a servant heart to love you and to love God. It's as simple as that. Let's treat them with humility and love and godly submission. In the same way, we're willing to follow the leaders in the Bible, Peter and Paul, the apostles, Jesus himself. Now, yes, of course, again, disclaimer, if they're modeling a sinful lifestyle and they're telling you to also be sinful, <laughs> punch them in the face. I give you permission. <laughs> if you don't want to do it, I will. And I expect the same in return. All right? If I'm the culprit, punch me. In the... I'm joking. Be discerning. Okay? Be discerning. Address the issue with them. State why you respectfully can't follow their leadership in those moments. Correct them. Be adults. Communicate with them. Don't, don't gossip about them. Don't treat them with disrespect in front of others and undermine their leadership. Be real with them. Maybe they're not even aware of what they're doing. If it's, a, it's an ongoing problem, raise it with me. Raise it with other elders. That's what we're here to be, plural leadership. We represent the flock. We want to lead the flock. But let's be real. The reality is we're all going to struggle at times. We're all going to stuff up. We'll all have sins sometimes we're not aware of. Peter says, clothe yourself with humility before one another. You don't have it all together either. We're all on a journey of sanctification. Let's humble ourselves towards one another. That's what it looks like to be the church. What's really interesting is this, actually. Turn back a chapter, in chapter 4, in your Bibles. I don't have it on the screen, so you'll have to go physically and find this chapter, chapter 4 of 1 Peter, verse 7 to 11. I want to read this because this is in the context of what we're, what we're reading about elders. Chapter 4, verse 7. Speaking to the church, the end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Yeah, we should have a, a, a high standard of our shepherds to do all the caring and loving, but actually God wants the church, members, the sheep, to do the loving of one another as well to show hospitality to one another, to serve one another using the gifts that God has given to you. Do you follow Jesus? Do you call yourself a Christian? Then you can't simply come to church and wait for people to love you. You can't wait for the, you're not here to, to, just to wait on the pastor and the elders, the leaders to do all the loving. No, that's your role too. You're called to serve and welcome others, be hospitable, welcome others into this family just as much as a leader's role is too as well. 
Let's think about this a bit. Some people have come to this church, right? Via Google, social media. I know some of you guys have found us just by you know, typing in Sunnybank Church. Or, or maybe some of you guys came because you know me. You know who I was uh, before you came. But I want to ask this question. Who here came because they were recommended Providence by word of mouth? Like someone, uh, a friend told you, check out Providence Church. It, it might work out for you. Can I uh, just see a show of hands, right? That's a, a lot of you guys. Like about 50% of the room came because a friend recommended this church to you. That's really interesting, isn't it? Let me ask you, uh, what made Providence, in the eyes of your friend or referrer, <laughs> a good church? All right, we recommend good churches based on what? The preaching? The pastor knows how to make good pop culture references? He's always sharing what he's watching on Netflix? Is that it? While still preaching the Bible? Or do we think church is, is good because the music is good, or there's bright lights and a, good, a nice stage? Or maybe it's because uh, the church has good programs for children or youth. Is that what makes a church good? When we read these verses in 1 Peter, what does a good church, a healthy church look like? It looks like a group of people loving one another deeply, serving one another sacrificially, honoring one another humbly. We all have gifts to bring to the table, friends. We are all stewards of what God has given to us. So we all play a role in making this church what it is. One that flourishes, one that honors God. God has gifted you to be a blessing to others. I hope that when people hear about Providence, that when they're being recommended Providence to come visit Providence, the word that's being spread isn't about the preaching, isn't about the music, isn't about, isn't about those, those, those things, even though they're good things, but it's about a community of believers who are practicing Christ-like love and hospitality. A group of people who would, if not for Jesus, have nothing in common, yet desires to practice sacrificial love to each other. Isn't that what we should all be striving for as a church? We all have a role to play in building God's kingdom. If you call yourself a Christian and you call Providence home, you are called to serve and love, not just the elders, not just the paid staff workers in our church, not just the pastor. We're given the task to see disciples multiply, to be on mission, to welcome the outsider, to love our family, our church family. That's your role as much as it is mine. And it's not going to happen overnight to truly care deeply and love and be loved, to speak truth into someone's life. That's going to take time. That's going to take rapport. It's going to take a building of relationships. So start doing that. We don't come to church just to be isolated, sit by ourselves and not talk to anyone. We're here to be loving one another. You know, at this point, I'd love to plug, become a member of the church if you're not already, because you want to make a vows to come under the leadership, the love and care. You want to play your role in the future decisions of, it, of our church. Become a member. But even if not, as Christians, right, who call Providence home, we can't expect ourselves to fulfill these one another commands overnight. It takes being the everyday church, being involved in each other's lives. That's how we're going to love one another. That's how we can speak truth to one another. That's how we can learn to forgive in conflict rather than run away. When we can practice and learn to be sacrificial and humble, even when it's really hard to do so, it's going to take time and it's going to take being involved. You know, that's the type of church I'd love to pastor, where we're working together, striving for holiness together, to be honest and vulnerable about our sin and our need for more of Jesus in our lives, to honor God and make his love known inside and outside of this church community, to be a church loving Jesus, loving each other, and loving our world. Isn't that the vision? Isn't that why we all want to be here? You know, it's interesting, but every year there are more and more leadership books being released. 
more and more documentaries and just different spins on it, you know, and how to be a leader that others would follow, how to be, uh, not, how to not, how to not be that leader, <laughs> what narcissistic leaders look like, all these books and podcasts and everything. There are a ton of leadership books being released in bookstores every year. But we can't go past the fact that the Bible is the OG book on leadership. You know, I've come across secular books that make references even to Bible principles about leadership and servanthood. They're not, they're not Christian books, but they're leadership books that are making references to the Bible. It says something, doesn't it? That says something about the God we worship. It says something about his good design for leadership in the world. But most importantly, that he himself modeled what good leadership looks like. Yes, let's not forget, there was a God-man who came to our world. He didn't need the title of eternal supreme leader. He didn't, we, didn't need, we don't need to call him that. But he came as a servant. He came as the Messiah. And today he continues to lead a movement around the world that sees millions of people's lives changed. People's lives that are repentant of sin. Lives that want to follow him. Yes, the movement is called Christianity. And the leader is our chief shepherd, Jesus, who sacrificially laid down his very life to love his sheep. Isn't that the type of leader that we should all aspire to be? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for Christ, the one who came and showed us what servant leadership looks like the one who showed us in love, that it's through love and hospitality that we can know life and know joy and know peace and human flourishing. Lord, his leadership is, is, is what allows us to, to, to know where life is to be found. And so I pray, Lord, as we think about these, uh, these uh, issues, as we think about leadership in our church, as we think about being members of our church, as we think about uh, serving one another with our gifts in love, help us, Lord, to, to follow Jesus, to follow his model, whether we're elders or whether we're members, whether, whatever role we have to play in the church, Lord, that you've called us to, help us to identify our gifts. Help us to be real with ourselves. We don't have it all together, but help us to keep leaning into Jesus as we use our gifts, as we want to serve others, as we want to bring more people to know you and, and to grow your kingdom. We do pray, Lord, that by your grace and by your mercy, Lord, that you will do this in us, in this church community at Providence. We thank you so much for all the things you have done in the last six and a half years as you continue to build your church and continue to mature uh, all of us here. But Lord, I pray that you'll continue to, to glorify your name. Use us, Lord, to be the church that you want us to be in 2021. Use us to be the church that makes much of Jesus uh, and points people all around us to his great name. And we pray this, Lord, in his name. Amen.